Hello, everyone. This is Sam Parada, the host of the Preach and Persuade podcast. And if you are a frequent listener of this podcast or have listened to it before, uh, you probably realize that I haven't uploaded a new episode in, in a long time. I think the last episode that was uploaded was actually in February, and it was the interview that Dan and I did with Aaron Wren. Uh, some of you likely know that I am a seminary student online through Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. I'm working on my Master's of Divinity in Biblical Languages, and seminary has the knack of taking all of your time away from you, and so I experienced uh, a crazy busy schedule um, in the last handful of months doing seminary and other ministry work as well. Uh, so I had to put the podcast on hold for a while. But we're back at it, Dan and I, and we should have some new episodes coming your way in a matter of a couple weeks. Uh, but until those new episodes are headed your way, uh, well, there's one episode that was not uploaded uh, that was actually recorded back in February. This is actually, the episode you're about to listen to is actually an episode that Dan and I recorded right after we had an interview with Aaron Wren. And really, we're just talking more about what we discussed with Aaron. So it really should serve as a good refreshment of the whole series on biblical manhood and womanhood, uh, and a, really a good end cap to that whole series as we move into new series and new episodes and new topics and new doctrines and whatever it is that we discuss in the future here. Um, so hopefully you enjoy this 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 old episode, and it's a refreshment to you, um, and hopefully you also are looking forward to the new ones to come. So thanks again for tuning back into the Preach to Persuade podcast. Welcome to the Breach and Persuade podcast. My name is Sam Parada. I'm here with Dan Rudman. And where we're at in this episode is we are uh, we're one episode after Aaron Wren, our interview with Aaron Wren, which was, hopefully you were able to listen to it. It was such a delight. Uh, again, thank you to Aaron Wren for giving us the time to do that do that interview. It was, it was, it was such a, yeah, it was a delight. It was just so fun. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we're coming off of that and we were like, man, we got a lot, we got a, a lot churning in our minds. I mean, this whole... This whole reality that we're living in right now, uh, the society that's so anti the biblical display of what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman, and there's just a lot churning in our minds. There's a lot that Aaron said that was just so insightful and so good, and we we just want to even just give more time just to flesh out some of those concepts, some of those ideas, some of the things that we talked about. Uh, you know, if we if we could, we would talk to Aaron for you know ten hours straight, and but we don't. Obviously, have that luxury. So we're going to talk more about what we talked about with Aaron because I think there's just a lot there yet to to really illuminate uh, and, and shed some light on because it's it's just this whole man on a mission, uh, this whole hey maybe that servant leadership thing isn't quite right. Uh, what does it mean to be a man on a mission and and being strong and being courageous and and contending in in a, in a domain uh, and being competent and. Uh, have skills and all that stuff that we still want to talk about in this. We're still in this period of application coming off of our <laughs> long series, fleshing out all that the Bible has to say about manhood and womanhood. So we're still in the application part. 
Um, but yeah, we're going to talk more about what we talked about with Aaron. So yeah, that's Dan, awesome. I know you have a lot of thoughts on your mind. Oh man. You My, took a lot was... of notes when we, when we yeah. talked to Aaron yeah, I did. and, uh, yeah, just, you know what, you know, what comes to your mind right away? You know, well, what we, uh, there's some about. specific stuff about Aaron. I mean, that he actually said, I, w- I want to get to, but just take one step back. Aaron uh, described himself, defined himself as coming at this different than just the biblical lens, but from a sociological, cultural yeah. discussion, which which I find so fascinating. Okay, so obviously, you and I, Sam, kind of our our lane in life and our perspective is like we want to lay out this biblical perspective. I mean, obviously, the whole preaching. Right, persuade, we're Bible but, guys. We're, yeah, we're, we're, right. we're in full time ministry. Right, and You're so right. I I say that because it's so important to understand that. Um, Aaron's not a Bible guy. He's just approaching this from a different angle, which is one of the things that we've talked about. And it's probably come up various times throughout your podcast of these 20 hours that we've been fascinated that people like, say, Jordan Peterson or even Rogan or Shapiro, a number yeah. of these guys, particularly Peterson, we've referred to. That that if you go out into the world and you do some kind of practical study, say equality, equity or uh, manhood, womanhood. What, what a guy like Peterson finds is he comes to these conclusions that are totally consistent with what we're saying the biblical perspective is. And I, I guess what I'm trying to say is yeah. that, sh- that shouldn't shock us because it's something I'm always saying. Like, and it, like, it, well, it's somewhat obvious to us who are Bible guys. Right. And see, and our, my point in that is that this is something we're always saying theologically, like God has truly spoken about the real world. And when you go to the scripture, you realize that he gave us a a real world that when he speaks in the scripture, it fits. It's one of the reasons that we know we could literally say, oh, this is why we know this is true, is it's coherent. You know, our our presuppositions of uniformity of nature, of logic, of uh, language are, are justified. They're coherent. As we look out into the world, they're coherent with what what the scriptures clearly say. Right. And so this is what's so much fun for us when we hear guys like Peterson or in this case, Aaron Wren, is that what he's looking at sociologically, culturally, these kinds of discussions economically fit with the biblical perspective that we're talking about. And it's not to bring those things in and reshape the scripture. But if you start with the scripture and you work your way out, you find, well, yeah, of course it fits the real world. (laughs) It just fits. And so... Anyway, while he's coming at it at a certain angle, it totally fits with everything we're talking about. That's what's so fascinating. It's a, it's, it's a lot of fun, and it should uh, uh, affirm people listening, realizing like, oh, yeah, you start with your Bible. We always start with what God says. And then as you go out into yep. the world with that, with that, you go, oh, yeah, it fits. And so when these guys are coming at it, if yep. you will, not from the direction we're coming from it, they come to the same place. That's what's so much fun. It's right. like so. Anyway, that's a big thing for me. That's just like that's why that contribution is really uh, in one. I mean, amongst a number of things, is really helpful. So does that make sense? What I just yeah. said. Okay. Uh, yeah, it totally makes. Sense. It's kind of this this reality of general general revelation and special revelation. Yeah. Like there yeah. there isn't any uh, contradiction. You no, know, there shouldn't be. If we are um, unbiased interpreters of the data in in the world or in creation that we see, it's going to totally line up with what the Bible through proposition says about, you know, yeah. that thing 
whatever it is. Yeah, they fit. They're, um, bo- they're both from God. Both of those revelations are from fits. God, right? So we could misinterpret them, like we've right. said. But if we get it right, they fit together. Yep. It's just, it's really. So that was yeah. really, that was really, really um, helpful. I think the other thing, as we kind of get into a discussion, was something that, you know, as I've shared to you numerous times, Sam, we'll have these discussions, and we brought it up a little bit with Aaron. Okay. Like, like we, like I said in there, you and I are certain. Even though here I am, sixty, you're twenty-four. We like some of the same stuff. We do some of the same stuff. We are both athletic guys. We're both extroverts. We like to right. we like to preach, and we love the nature of truth. Well, I'm kind of an introvert. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> we we love we love uh, the. Out- I kind of I am. <laughs> well, to a degree, you are. Yeah, you, because you're a very thoughtful guy. You like to read and study, right? But my point is. Apart from that, okay. But my point is, is like, you know, again, we laugh because we both have deer heads on our walls and we both like to hunt. And Yeah. But my frustration, but I have skulls. this incredible frustration in that. And here's my frustration that I would share on your podcast, is that I go to, a, say, a particular church or setting, and I've had it happen, where I'm trying to bring this biblical reality we've just unfolded for 20 hours. And, and people yeah. invariably who've... <laughs> particularly often been affected by the secular view that's pushing against the biblical view, will then put me in an ad hominem situation like, well, you're talking about being like you. Like somehow being my personality or the things I like to do is what I'm talking about. And it's been yeah. so frustrating to me because I'm like, no, this is actually biblical. And you said it, Sam. It, it has yep. nothing to do with that in, in, a, in the biggest sense of going out and killing a deer. I mean, it has nothing... You know, and, and, and so when you get <laughs> right. when you get a guy like Aaron who has this expertise, the guy, every time I've listened to him, he re- has read more books and he's more knowledgeable about all this stuff. I love to listen to it, right? He has taken this, yeah, right. but he has taken the same things we're talking about and lived it out in a different form, in a different shape, but it's, it's the same thing, right? And I don't know if I'm making yep. sense. I just, it frustrates me when I'm talking about something biblically and people ought to have often then said, wow, you know, of course you're talking about a certain thing because you come from a certain way. And I'm like, no, it's not what I'm talking about. I'm actually talking about a biblical thing. Right. So, so when we get, so we'll probably get to this, but when we talk about like mission, obviously, okay, my life, I'm in this Christian life. I've had a unique world that I've operated in. But I think every man's called to a mission. I actually right. do. I, I, and I think we need to talk about that. It doesn't necessarily mean every mission is like my specific, where I'm at on the wall and my job that God has for me on the wall. But every man should have a mission. Every man is called to walk with integrity before God. Every man is called to um, pursue the image of Christ in um, model leadership and take these biblical principles. And as Aaron said, I'm not, I, if you got around me, I would do the same thing. I don't want to specifically tell a guy how to do it because I do think there's lots of variation in the world. I mean, you and I travel, we see it internationally. Yeah. The diversity in the world is right. just huge, right? So each person's going oh, to have, yeah. each person's going to have to take these things though and live it out within their context. And so I get thrilled when I see yep. people living out the very things I'm talking about in a completely different context because, as we said in there, I can point to Aaron and go, no, he's doing exactly what I'm talking about, and it looks very different than my world. 
but he's doing the same thing. Yep. And it's it's just and so this idea of mission is so significant to me, and I and I don't know if we're going to go there now, but I have a bunch of thoughts about mission that I want to kind of maybe do in this. this well, let's look. go there. <laughs> oh well, okay. So let me just step back and give you my my basic construct. If I go back to the garden, Adam was given this mission. Okay, we've said it before, but it was like yep. both speak the truth and to live out the truth, meaning living in concert, in coherence with the world the way God created it. So whether it was you know planting a garden, putting seeds in the ground in a certain way, um, naming the animals. And we put that all under this construct that Adam was created in the image of God, and therefore he was to bring order out of disorder. God brought the big yeah. system into place, but God then let a garden kind of be a place for Adam then to to apply and live out this bringing order out of disorder. That's the big thing to me. So the mission at the end of the day is we glorify God by speaking the truth and living the truth in the realm that God has given us. And in that realm, we're bringing mm. or, order out of disorder. So I would ask this question. Mm. It was asked by a philosopher that I said under, uh, when I just started ministry and I loved it. I remember because I used to think this back then and when he said it. So you'd ask the question, how does a plumber glorify God? Okay. It's easy for a guy in ministry and people say, yeah, well, you're in ministry. It's really, how does a, how does a plumber? Yeah, yeah you're sharing the gospel every yeah. day. How's the plumber glorify God? And I don't think it means necessarily like, oh, he's finding his friends and sharing Christ with him on the job, though that could include that. No, I right. think, I think the very thing he's doing yeah. is bringing glory to God because he's bringing order out of disorder. He's doing plumbing mm. well. Now, there's the ethical component of it, you know, mm -hmm. doing it well with integrity and honor and respect yep. and being yep. honest with people. That's all in it. And being a witness to the people he works with. But I literally mean putting those pipes together. There's something about that. <laughs> yeah. That, that's like a man walks away from uh, that and looks at that and goes, wow. There's something even existential in his soul, believe it or not, that he's satisfied. Like, that's a job well done. Yeah, there's yep. this experience that you actually have that you do this job, you do it well, you get back, you look at it, and you go, man, that was just awesome. So whether it's an accounting or reading a book or writing a paper or putting pipes together, like there's something about Digging it. Digging a that, hole. Yeah, right. <laughs> that, 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 you know, um, there's something about that that's right and good and we were created for. And so I think as mm -hmm. men think about that and then – so, so there again, you know, we'll, we'll get to the woman. I'm, we're sp specifically speaking about men right now because the women play a huge part in this, right? They have their domain that the man can't do his domain unless the woman does her domain and vice versa. It, like it's, it fits together, right? But yeah. all my point is, is that the mission is not just put a few hours in and go home and try to be at home. It's, no, I'm on something bigger than even my home. And my home, my family, my life comes along my mission. And, and so you think of a guy that's, again, let's, it's, simple, it's a little simpler we could, uh, to talk, let's say, even trades or anything. You know, like as you bring about order in, the, in this, it's a stewardship principle too. As you bring about order in the smaller realm, God gives you more responsibility. And as a Christian, and I assume most people listen to this podcast are Christians, the Christian man then grows not only in the provision for his family, it's not just about the money, but though that is true too, but gaining that ground, yeah. gaining that ground 
uh, is a gaining of an influence. Like as this Christian man works within a company, let's say, and he pays the price and he's, he, he, he works hard for his boss and he puts lots of hours in and his wife and kids go, yeah, we understand why you're late tonight, dad, because you got to keep doing your mission. That's not an excuse for a workaholism. I'm not going there. That's not my point. But as a man right. does that, he gains more skill and more uh, influence, even on the world around him. All of a sudden, in a practical sense, he's got a, a higher position within the company where his voice has more influence. You see, all of that is, right. all of that is bringing, in my mind, the way I see this is that it's bringing order out of disorder. It's bringing... It's bringing God's word to bear, his, 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 his uh, truths to bear. And all in the midst of that, it's providing for a family. And part of that provision is seeing him do that for the sake of his wife and kids, if that makes sense. Exactly. And that's what's so fascinating about where we find ourselves today in our society. It's this predicament, uh, this postmodernism, this... Uh, you know, I think of Carl Truman's book here. Um, yeah, it's a fasc fascinating book. I'm reading it. Fascinating. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, how are we at the point, you know, where... Sam, plug that, the title. Well, I the, guess what I'm fleshing out here... Well, no, but I mean, the title oh, yeah, of the yeah, book, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Rise um, and the Triumph the, of the Modern the, Self. The title it's, itself. Yep. Yep. Cultural Amnesia, Expressive Individualism, and the Road to Sexual Revolution. How did we get where we're at, you know, today yep. where you can hear yeah. the phrase... Or the statement, you know, I'm a, I'm a man trapped in a woman's body or vice versa and have that be intelligible and thought of as being like, mm -hmm. oh, that's a real thing. Like, how did we get there? And this reality is like, okay, we're to the point now. It's such an interesting thing where this um, emotivism or this social imaginary or the psychological self, all these philosophical terms meant to describe this reality that that true identity is 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 found in. And who, what, what I feel I am, or how I feel, my emotions, my psychological self, not on what I do externally or what God, who God says I am. It's very self-creative. It's it's very uh, you know idolatry. It's idolatrous you know in its essence. Uh, uh, but this reality that uh, it's all about the inward self, who I feel I am, and then the purpose of life, therefore, then becomes just just. Uh, gratification, really, of the flesh. Yeah, self of my desires. Self, I gratify self, my inward. Yeah, we we use the word in the other podcast, self fulfillment, right? Yep, self fulfillment. Marriage and becomes so becomes it's, this it's place for focus. self fulfillment. Yep, yep. Good. Right, and then Aaron Ren even talked about the reality of the of the home becomes this place now. You know, we're post industrial revolution. You know. We're past this agrarian society, you know, where most of human history was this agrarian culture. Um, and we're to this point now where the home just becomes this place of just self-fulfillment in a sense. Like, okay, I'll go watch my TV there. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of interact in a, in a kind of just like talk with my wife there, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's very – it's you know, some of my hobbies are there. And, and all that I do, all my work is really just for that vacation or the weekend. Where we go do something to fulfill and gratify our desires. And everything about work then, everything about the mission then is totally turned into this thing for just pleasing self. Yep. <laughs> and it's totally not what we're talking about. There's something about going out and actually doing something in society about bringing you know, order out of chaos yeah. that is more in, in line with a true identity of what it means to be made in the image of God. Yeah. Uh, yep. And it's not just all about 
hey, I'm this, I'm this bag of chemicals that has all these weird desires and all life is is about just gratifying these desires, whether they're sexual or emotional or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's like, and that, but that's where we're at in our world right now. And that's why this whole mission thing is, I think is so foreign to our society is like we're, we're all, we're living in this world now where it's all about gratifying and getting your personal identity, who, your psychological self uh, affirmed by people around yeah. you. Well, it's first identified within so yourself. I, thought, I just thought that was an interesting... It's, it's first yeah. what Truman makes the case and what we're saying, though, is you self-define it first, but then people around you are supposed to affirm that thing that you've come up with. Affirm it. That's why you have such things as like a, like a gay pride parade. Yeah. Because no longer is your sexual life thought to be this private thing yeah. that you don't need to really talk about in, out in public. No, your identity is 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 who you are mm-hmm. in private really your 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 sexuality is now become the most essential aspect of who you are as a person therefore if you don't get it affirmed by the people around you well then is it really real yeah is that really who i am if people around me don't recognize it that's why there's this giant thrust of needing to get these sexual identities lgbtq plus whatever it is affirmed in the public sphere because if it's not affirmed in the public sphere then it's really not a true identity in right. their minds, but again, so that's the, why they need it to be affirmed in the public right. sphere. But but again, I think the emphasis—I mean, we've just said it—but I want to keep emphasizing it is that it's it's yeah. an inter, it's an internal focus, though. You know, it's an internal focus. Whereas Correct. whereas that's where Truman uh, was explanatory had explanatory power for me because I've been seeing this and I and I didn't have all the words to put with it. But I would be going, you know. You and know, I've talked about this, Sam, but a young, young people would say, well, I'm trying to find my passion. And I'd say, okay, yeah. as if me finding my passion is, would be the terminology is the goal. And I'm, and I'm always thinking, but yeah, but what happens if you discover, which we, uh, you actually will if you understand the depravity of man, that some of your passions are really awful. <laughs> you know, I could joke about yeah. it, but like, what happens if you find out your passion is really screwy? So you're supposed to... No, 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 yeah. no. That's not the goal. The goal is not this internal pursuit. The, the goal is an external pursuit. Actually, for the Christian, it's yep. to know, know God, to recognize who God says he is, which reflects on who he says I am. And then he puts me in yep. these spheres of life. You know, first of all, my relationship with him as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ, his yep. presence with me. Then I'm a male. I'm a man. I'm, I, there's a, there's a, there's a, a construct, a, a form that which God has now given me in that realm, and then I'm part of a family and a family system that it's all external put on me. But I've realized, you know, and again Truman explained it very well, that there's this idea now that it has to be internal, and then therefore you need to be liberated from all that stuff. All that stuff is the threat. It's really yep. crazy. It's like I realize yep. as we're doing this whole podcast, we're 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 so we're swimming upstream, dude. I'm like we are being completely counterculture oh, because we're saying no, no, no. This comes from God to us. You don't come up with this, right? And what and and so, so yeah, all that all that to say, yeah. Well, yeah, just all that to say. This reality of this man on a mission, externally focused, mm-hmm. uh, as Aaron said. Uh, where was the where was the husband of the Proverbs thirty one woman out at the gates yeah <laughs> of the city uh, with the other men like and it's that is so not 
society's view of, of what it means to be not only a person, but especially yeah. as a man. Right. <laughs> right. See, and my, my issue then, too, we said it in one of the podcasts, Sam, again with this, is that if God, I think of it like a, like a, a form or a mold that God wants to work in me. He wants to make me like Christ. That's true for men and women, by the way. He wants to make us like Christ, right? But it's uniquely embodied yep. as me as a male, as a man. And for me to be able to become yeah. that, grow in that, sanctified in that, holy in that, I God presses me into a mold. I mean, again, I, I don't know if that's the best way to think about it, but it's how I was trying to describe it. And that mold is my sphere. It's the domain in which I am to operate. Yep. And God so works within that that that's where suffering comes and difficulty comes. So right down to, like, let's just say even working hard, um, and I really mean that, like laboring, like I, I have this job to do. Well, there's, no, I would actually like to get some sleep, but I can't because I have to complete my mission. I'm, I'm giving an example, for example. Like, mm. I may have to lose some sleep tonight because I have to work really hard mm. because it's the right thing to do right. for the sake of my mission. Again, that can get yep. overstated. There's ditches on both sides of the road, and I understand it. But I'm trying to make a point that when I do that, when I take that seriously and I press into that, that is me being pressed into the mold that God has for me. So even when God allows uh, a difficulty, you see it in the Scripture. You see, um, you know, judgment begins in the household of God. You see these fiery trials that come at us, suffering that comes at us. While for the non-Christian, it's just painful and it means wrath. For the Christian, it's pressing us. It's, it's, it's getting rid of the dross of the gold and silver, and it's pressing me into the mold that God has created me to be. And so mm -hmm. my point is, is that's even true of my mission and of my life. And when I step into this, I actually am going to flourish and become more and more the man that God created to me. If you will, I will be in the center of God's will, right? And it, right. Li it literally could mean I rise in a company and have this influence in a company because I worked hard, because I pressed myself in, because I lost some sleep because I kept things in perspective. And again, it's not this perfect answer textbook of how to do that, but like I, I step into that and accept that. And I think accepting that, I know I'm preaching away today, Sam, but this is really a lot of stuff on my mind because we live in a fallen world now of, of thorns and thistles. This is not easy. That's another thing a man has to accept. Like, oh no, you'll be going against the grain, not just in your ideology, but even working. That's why it's hard. And as Aaron said, you know, he worked real hard and it still failed. Yeah, that's that's the world I live in. Yeah. It's like you got to fight this thing. You got to work at yep. this thing. It's not easy. It doesn't just flow. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Sorry, I'm the sixty-year-old preaching right now. No, keep dabbing away. <laughs> Preach. Preach it up. Well, it just strikes me, the whole thing. And, and I told Aaron when we started, that was one of the things I picked up on my early... I mean, by the way, Aaron, Masculinist Podcast, for those who are listening, I encourage you, listen, listen, read. He does stuff. He's doing some tremendous stuff, even on cultural, what is conservative, the, the history of conservatism, and how today it really isn't what historically it always was. And all these things are just fascinating right. discussions. But the thing that struck me early on when I heard Aaron speak was this issue of mission and his critique of complementarian. Because... We've yep. been very, even in our podcast, we've been very hesitant to say complementarian. 
I don't know. Maybe we've said it maybe once or twice yeah, in this whole. We've been trying to emphasize more, more. And again, words become cuss words. You'd have to hear the whole podcast. But we've been emphasizing God's biblical view, and you could say it's more of a headship. It's it's it's, you know, it's patriarchal. Yeah, patriarchalistic. I heard it said, which is maybe better because yep. patriarchy sounds like a cuss word. But when properly understood, right. the point is, is when properly understood, you'd have to go back and listen to 20 Hours podcast. Both men and women absolutely flourish uh, uh, under the yeah. be- beauty and wonder of God. This is not subjugating women. This is not inferiority. This is what we've been created to do. And now, given, as we talked about, an urban world, a post-industrial world, we got to figure out how to live this out. And it may not look like mm. the same for everybody. I understand that. I really do. But we have to be serious before the Lord and ask the questions, as you and I've said, like, why am I doing this? Is it to have a bigger house and two cars? Or, you know, yep. I got I got to keep first things first and then build from there. So, you know. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything else written down in that note page of yours? Oh man, I'm sorry. I I'm re- preaching now, but no, I want you. I want you to go off. Well, you well you <laughs> I tell hear me everything you have to say. Well, you tell me again. We, you and I come at this not differently, but I'm an older guy. I have a different, you know, perspective than you would. How do you how did you how do you receive that, Sam? And what do you think in light of your world? You got a lot of people probably listening to you that are more your age. I mean, just because it's your podcast and stuff. And I guess I do want to talk about this reality of an essence of masculinity that is getting so you know you might even say erased like it's it's getting erased and yeah. and there's these traps in society right now you yeah. know one thing that Aaron Wren did say here's one piece of advice that I could give with complete confidence stop looking at pornography yep. he said yep obvious yep so there's these traps in in, in manhood today that are keeping men from actually having to go contend uh, uh, and be courageous in society and go on a mission and do something. Yeah. Um, and there's there, there, one of the obviously, is the trap of pornography. Mm-hmm. Here you have in this man, this young man, a desire for, for you know, women, a God-given desire. It's a great thing, and it should lead to a, to a marriage. Yeah, <laughs> where he can experience marital bliss in this wonderful gift that God is is you know allowed yeah. it to be experienced in. Yeah. Uh, but yet you have this you know before pornography you know you certainly had the trap of prostitution, that was certainly a trap in 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 you know centuries past. Yeah. Yeah. But that was still something that you had to go out and and, and go do or something yeah. like it's yeah. still involved in interaction with another human being. But now you have this trap is you can be in your dark room with nobody around and you can start to get this, you know, sexual gratification, this counterfeit, this passive counterfeit and men sink into it in a sense they die. It's this pit they die in. Yeah. And then even when you think about this reality of a man who is a warrior, you know, he goes out and he competes with other men in this warrior thing, uh, whether it's actual war, uh, you know, whether it's protecting the family, protecting the village. Whether it's just sport, you know, mm-hmm. men wrestling and just fighting for sport, there's something still masculine about that. Yeah. Um, and we think of our sports today, football, basketball, wrestling, um, these places where 
men contend in front of an audience. Uh, but now you have video games. <laughs> and it's just like video games, they're actually a problem. They're yeah. actually a problem. Yeah. And they're not, they're, not so, they're not so just constrained or defined by just, oh, well, that's just a guy's hobby. Right. It's like, okay, that's, that's weird because, because what you're doing in your video games is you're usually playing something that is actually a hobby. So you're playing a basketball game when you could actually go out and actually contend with other basketball players in an, o- in an open arena and be very masculine about it, and you actually have to be physically capable or wrestling or football, but now you play those sports in a video game in your home. Isn't that interesting? It's, it's interesting. like, what's that? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? So yeah. you're, there's still something drawn to you about competing, but yeah. now you're no longer competing in a way where you actually yeah. have real physical consequences. You could get beat uh, with real physical consequences. You could get hurt. Uh, you actually have to be physically capable to do this in the real in the real sense of what it means to be an athlete yeah. or a warrior. Uh, and then obviously war games are such a trap. Like I get it. Like I've never really been a gamer, but I've played I played Call of Duty. I played those games, mm. and they're extremely addicting. Because it's like you're you're fighting a battle. You still have military strategy. You're still, mm-hmm. you know, killing people in this game. But it's all virtual. It's all fake. It's all a counterfeit. Right. And and it's still like so so a Sam, passive way yep, to ahead. do something. So, see what I think. Well, no, this is what I think when you're talking about this. See, this is a maybe another whole discussion in itself. But it's this internal self-absorption again. And so, this is all of our our tendency as. Um, as uh, mankind in general, men and women, right? Because of my sinfulness, uh, this is what happened in the garden. We become self-focused. We, it's about me. I yep. make myself the center of the universe, right? And so you think of this self-absorption. So pornography. I, I want to have the benefit of some kind of sexual exploit without having to give of myself. Yep. So, you know, C.S. Lewis had that great quote about, you know, uh, the imaginary bride. You get to have these imaginary harem (laughs) that is at your bidding. This is why masturbation is so, um, is such an affront because you get to like experience something in this moment that's so shallow and it doesn't work. I mean, but the point is, is like you get to have this imaginary bride. Well, nothing is demanded of you. You're not living with a real woman where you have to get outside of yourself. You have to learn how to love. You have to contend with, you know, uh, uh, her fallenness. She has to contend with your fallenness. But there's you got to lead an actual person. (laughs) Yeah, and 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 so there's a sense in all of this. Then it's complete self-absorption. That's the issue. Pornography in itself. I mean, you could talk about the sexual, the attraction, the enticement, all of that. But at the end of the day, it is completely self-absorption. You get to use this imaginary world to somehow satisfy some immediate desire you have, but it doesn't, you don't have to give anything of yourself in, in the deal. And it goes back to that idea right. I just talked about early on about being and it, shaped. And it takes it t- doesn't take courage, right? And 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 this goes back to what I was talking about the mold. You see, God puts me in a real world where I have to love my wife, who I adore. I've been with her all these years, but I have to work at loving my wife in the sense that she's a fallen human being. She's got you know weaknesses and things that I have to contend with, and I don't like. I'm not embittered by that. That's just like that's what I've been called to do. 
But in doing that, it actually makes me, it transforms me into a different man. I'm a different man today because I've had to contend with that. And contend sounds too harsh, but I mean like learn how to love my wife. This fine china who, yeah. has, who has cracks, right? And she's had to learn how to figure out how to love me. Right. This, you know, this big buffalo who steps on things and breaks china in the china shop. I mean, good night. <laughs> Like anybody says that, I'm, I'm, of course that's what I am and who I am. And, you know, part of it, I'm embarrassed about myself sometimes. But, like, what do you want? It is what I am, you know. And so she's had to learn how to love me. I've had to learn how to love her. But that forces us to become more like Christ. That's the point. It gets me outside of myself. So as you we were just talking about, you know, we say the sexual pornography point, there's a sense in which it's completely self-love. I'm into myself. And, of course, the no. epitome of that is when God gives over and all of a sudden a man's literally loving an image of himself in its homosexuality or a woman herself. It's just really bizarre. Yep. Well, it goes to your video well, game there's idea. Just, there's it's serious just, consequences, too. Oh, yeah. It's the same thing with the video game is what I'm getting at. You get to sort of pretend you're a man, but you're not really because you're not being forced to actually put skin in the game. No. You, you're not going to get injured. So it's not... There's no courage. There's no courage involved in it. At the end of the day, it's fake. That's the point. Which I think what you're saying. It's imagine. Yeah, it's fake. It's, it's not okay, real. You, it's you not die real. in the video game. Well, I can just restart. Boom. Here we go again. Yep. It's not real. So and so, it, it, it's fake. It's a counterfeit. But think of what all that is in the context of our conversation, Sam. At the end of the day, taking it back to Aaron, that is an internal focus. That's the point. Yeah. You know, Truman brings yeah. it up in a very articulate way of what's happened culturally, you know, the psychological self, the yep. the, the self-absorption, and then the community's supposed to accept that, which is really crazy, right? And it's like, no, I'm not going to yeah. accept that. And, it, and of course, now we're going to be really, literally, it's getting put into law. I have to affirm that even in my thought life and verbally, I have to state the lie. Right. I have to accept the lie. I'm supposed to speak the lie. <laughs> and... You're going and to be guilty lit- of thought crimes. Yeah, you're going to get in trouble. I mean, it's crazy. But yeah, no, I, I'm called to do something external, bring order out of chaos, speak truth in the world. Let's go back to the idea of Adam. And not, you know, as Rod Dreher wrote the book, Living Not by Lies. I'm not supposed to live a lie. I'm supposed to live in the truth. Right. Which means I'm going to be pushing, right. pushing against the tsunami. Yep. Which, which is part of the mission, and I hope something in men as they hear that, maybe it spurs a little fear because there's going to be a real cost, but it spurs this like, wow, I have this arena for courage. I have arena to be in a man. Yeah. Stand up and speak the truth. And, yep. and you're going to pay a price for it. I've paid prices in my life. We yep. people, You're going you're to pay a price. Well... <laughs> As a Christian, you've been called to pay a price. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. But I'm just saying, you're going to take a hit. You will take a hit. You're going to get punched. Yep. You, you, you will. May, you may bleed. Exactly. You, you may lose some opportunities or friendships or situations. Don't You don't need to jump into that and un- arrogantly, unruly do that. First, First Peter says, don't do it as a meddler. In other words, there's sometimes you just create it by on your own because you want to create it. I mean, we need to try to be... Right. Yeah. It's, again, there's the ditches on the road. I'm not saying being obnoxious and arrogant about it, but I have to be honest and have fidelity and sobriety and forthright, speak truth, walk in truth, and it's and increasingly it's going to cost us something. Yep. Right. Yep. You know, in this this reality of 
you know, because it's just such a pitfalls of my generation, pornography, video games, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, and then I think Aaron Wren's statistics that he put on his first masculinist were just so, like, oh, uh, you know what? I'm just actually going to pull up and just read some of them um, just so we got some yeah. context here. Uh, just give me a second as I pull up some of these statistics. Okay, I'm just going to read a couple paragraphs here. Seven million prime working age men between 25 and 54 are unemployed and not even looking for work. Labor force participation is especially plummeted among young men with less than a college degree. And the time spent not working isn't being filled with school or training. It's being replaced on a nearly one-to-one basis with video games, though one presumes pornography also looms large. These are the so-called NEETS, N-E-E-T-S, neither employed nor in education or training. This is part of a pattern of delayed adulthood. Fully 35% of men ages 18 to 34 live with their parents compared with only 28% who live with a spouse. NPR calls this an economic mystery. This isn't just at the low end of the economic spectrum. My colleague Kay uh, Himowitz wrote the book Manning Up, how the rise of, uh, of woman has turned men into boys, along with similar work such as Hannah Ro- Rosen's The End of Men, we see a pattern of male failure at the higher end, too. Men are now only receiving around 40% of both bachelor's and master's degrees as women dominate higher education, though men retain a large majority of top posts. Most corporate managers are actually now women. 13 out of 15 job categories projected to grow the most in the future are predominantly female. This isn't just an educational or economic problem. It's a physical and health problem, too. Only 26% of adult men are of normal weight, with the rest overweight or obese. Diabetes diagnoses are up. Only a quarter of men meet government standards for aerobic exercise and strength training. Grip strength among young men one of the key indicators of overall strength and even health has declined significantly in the last 30 years. The grip strength of college-age men has declined from 117 pounds to 98 pounds and is now about the same as 30-year-old women. Men are even chemically less masculine today. Testosterone levels are in decline, falling by as much as 22% in recent years. Besides college or work, another thing men are too often not doing much of is spending much time in church, something I'll explore in more detail in future. Uh, uh, but to set the stage, David Moreau in his book titled In, direct, in a Direct and Masculine Manner, Why Men ha- Hate Going to Church, surveyed the contemporary scene. He notes that the typical church congregation is 60% or more female, and that's the men who uh, the men who do show up for services often seem passive, bored, are uneasy. Among married female church goers, about 20% have a husband who does not come to church. This is a 60-40 ratio. Uh, this 60-40 ratio may have important improved a bit recently, but only because of an accelerating abandonment of church by women. So I'll stop there. Yeah. Yeah, again, that's from Aaron Wren's first ever yeah. number one, uh, his number one, um, you know, issue number one of his, uh, of his newsletter sent out in September 11th of 2016. So, those are some statistics to sh- to prove the point that hey, here's the reality: this this inward focus, this 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 not being courageous, not going out and living on mission, this not contending in the public sphere, all of this stuff, it, it really actually shows itself. Shows itself, like even the physical 
part of things. Like, hey, yeah, you're still wow. called, you know, if you're a man, you're still called to uh, to protect, <laughs> to fight. Hey, if somebody comes into the home uh, to rape and pillage, it's the man's role to stand up and say, uh, through my, you know, over my dead body, well, based on the statistics, it probably will be over your dead body because you're probably not winning that fight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's a problem. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. Like, you, like college age men have the same grip strength as as a thirty year old woman. That's just despicable. That's just laughable. It's like what's going on there? That's horrible. Yeah. Why? Well, it's because hey, you can play a video game and and and, and you know and f- do UFC fighting in the video game, but you're not actually going out and fighting in the real world, which would require you to be physically active and able and strong and and yeah. and have a a level of muscle mass that actually can take a hit <laughs> yeah. um, and, there's, there's and just, not die. And there's just ramifications for all this, right? It's not just about can you put up your dukes and fight. I mean, obviously, as an adult man right. in my life, I, I don't have to – I've hardly ever had to do that, right? So there's arenas for it. Right. But, but the point is is it has an effect on men and women, has effect on marriages, it has effect on uh, children. It's having a, an actual effect. Yep. And so I noticed right. – uh, Aaron said another statement too that I resonate with is too conflict diverse. He says, or averse, too conflict diverse. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Like, like, because of this, men are are want to avoiding conflict. And I notice, you know, Vody Bakum talks about yeah. that. He, he always says the eleventh commandment: "Thou shalt be nice." You know, <laughs> the right. If you've heard him saying, and his point in all that is like, again, there's ditches. It doesn't mean to be go be an angry man and punch somebody in the nose. That's that's not the point. The point, though, is, is that if you go to our scripture again, there's a lot about wrestling and battling and being in war and fighting, and we shouldn't be um, averse to that. We should say, oh, yeah, there's a real battle. I'm in a real battle in this life. I'm in a real battle, in, and there's a way mm-hmm. to do it. Um, I had to text my ch- kids yesterday. Um, I have a son and uh, four daughters, and um, a few of them have I've talked to a couple of them the last few days, both the, my son and my daughters, and they're just so you know, frustrated what they see happen in the culture and, and, and even rightfully angry about it, like very disappointed, very like, what yeah. do I do? And I'm thrilled that they are. I'm actually thrilled they are. Like it says something stirring rightly in their heart because they're hating what God hates. Yeah. Now, what do we do with yeah. that? That's a different question. I got it, right? It's not like I can go, I mean, these fools storming something and thinking that by pulling out a gun and blasting or breaking windows is going to solve it isn't going to solve it okay i understand the frustration right. but like that's this foolish but yep. but we are to fight we are to contend we are yep. to and so right. at least the even the emotional part what's god give me he gives me the imprecatory psalms as i sent sent it to my kids you know the imprecatory psalms where you know the psalmist cries out god take that evil out of here wipe them out you know like yeah you know, and yet then he turns it around and he confesses his own sin in the midst and he turns it back to the Lord. There is a place to express that properly, right? Um, revenge is mine, yep. says the Lord. Yep. It's not mine to take the revenge. I got to entrust that to the Lord. But for me to be concerned and actually uh, hate what God hates, which is loving what God loves, and then to take that and say, I need to be engaged in this conflict, not retreat. That's where it's supposed to be lived out. So men and women on mission, my family on mission, we're going to go contend with that battle out in the world. Now, each one of us have to to do it a different way, different places. But it's not video games and it's not pornography. 
right? Nope. <laughs> like, like that's just all you know, fake. It's all the f- interesting thing. It's all fake. It's, it's, it's all, all fake. fake. Yeah. It can't be the counterfeit form. It has to be no. the real thing. Yeah. And the th- you know the interesting thing about contending and being and being put in a vulnerable situation and being courageous is like it really is like even think about you know just building muscle mass. Um, you got to put some strain on your muscles in order for them to get stronger and handle more strain. And the, we might call this resilience, but there's this reality that if you haven't, okay, this is how I see it in my life. Um, especially in the ministry, ministry realm, I think initiative evangelism and apologetics type stuff is really, really, really healthy for me. Not only that I'm spreading the gospel and, and defending the faith and things, but the fact that a, a, a consistent place where I actually contend yeah. for something and display courage is so healthy for me. And I find that when I haven't evangelized for a while or gone on the university campus and started talking to people I've never met before and interacted mm-hmm. on these, these spiritual you know, things, it's like when I haven't done that for a while and now I j- jump right back into it, it's actually kind of uncomfortable a lot yeah. more nerve-wracking there's a lot more fearful. going on there a lot more fearful, fearful. it's not like but it, when I, Sam, yep, let, but when just, i go ahead i'm sorry go oh well, i was just gonna say it but when i've been doing it consistently yeah all that is kind of like it is odd as it sounds like it doesn't exist anymore mm-hmm. like i'm i'm confident i'm ready to rock and roll uh yeah. i'm 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 ready to be courageous yeah i'm even more visibly you could say you can even you know think about people with public speaking you know you put a guy up front who doesn't public speak and you might actually you might actually visibly see uh like he's maybe flushed in the face he might his knees might actually be shaking yeah he might actually visibly be shaking and you hear the shakiness in his voice but now when you get used to being in that arena or that domain and 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 contending that domain in public speaking often you're more comfortable and you're more ready. And when you're more ready and more comfortable, you're actually more dangerous in a, in the best sense of the word. You're actually able to like, hmm. you know, do yeah. something now. Yeah. And, um, I, and what I is, want, which is I, the point of like, and what I wanted to affirm in you, Sam, again, this would be it. one of those things where somebody labels. Okay. So I'm not trying to go down a whole road, but you just said something I think is really important for people to grasp is that, we all contend with fear. See, people will see somebody yes. like you in, in your realm where you say, this is where I'm going to contend, and think, well, I couldn't do yep. that. Sam's doing that, and he's not fearful. Right. It's been leveled at me my whole life, and I'm like, oh, you don't know. You don't know. I'm not, you don't as, know. I'm not as tough as you guys think I am. Like, I, There's a lot of fear for right. me. You know, to go down, you know, say on a campus, do something. There's In the background of my life is more fear than I think people realize. But yep. I know I have to step into there because it's the realm God's called me to contend. And it isn't, the measuring yep. stick isn't whether it's comfortable or not. The measuring stick isn't right. whether I'm fearful or not. So that's another part of these things about sometimes I hear about, you know, we need to get people in touch with their emotions. And I'm like, I sort of understand, but I sort of don't because I actually have to subjugate myself. I have to subjugate my emotions. I can't let my emotions rule me. Because right. 
I, I mean, it reminds me of the plastic bag on the freeway, just floating around, and it kind of gets pulled back on, and it just bounces. Well, I'm like, it, no, 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 it, I, I have to take the initiative to say, God, this is what you've called me to do, and it's not about whether I'm fearful or not fearful. That's not the measuring stick, right? No, and the, the emotion so, topic is so weird. Well, it's just so it's so today because that's the point. You're like yeah. this this emotivism, like the psychological self, who you're, who you're, you know, your emotive self or your, that part yeah. of your being is what's primary in your identity. And so you need to express it and you need to let your emotions run free. It's like, wait a minute though. Like I look at my own life yeah. and certainly there's fears where I want to be emotional, you know, in, in a tender mm -hmm. situation, the death of yeah. a loved one, something like that. And yeah. there is something really healthy about being like in the best sense of grieving and emotional in that way and happy and joyful great but when i get emotional in in a in a contending type situation yep like i even think of wrestling like i was a wrestler that was my sport um i love it and you are literally one guy against one guy in front of everybody watching you yep. and you're fighting it's controlled there's rules but you're fighting and you know what the term in wrestling was called oh he's a head case Somebody that had the physical ability, had the training, had the technique, but his emotions got to him. And when he would go out and compete, he was a head case and he would fail because he let his emotions get in. And it happened all the time. Happened to me. Yep. Certainly happened to me. Like, and it happens to high schoolers a lot because they, they haven't yet developed that emotional resilience. That's why mm -hmm. college wrestlers are where you really start to flourish because they become men. And even just even just developmentally, they're more mature and they're more able to get their emotions under control. Yeah. And when you get your emotions under control and you don't let them control you, yeah, you actually compete and win, and you actually make more progress in whatever you're doing. Yeah, and let's let's talk Emotion, about that. Like, yeah, let's just say that. And then the emotions we're talking about could go either way. You could be so fearful that you really don't let it hang out, right? But you could go the other way yeah. and be so out of control and rage that you're not using your head. See, so even right. when we say that, so when I said early, subjugate my emotions, it's like, no, I recognize my emotions. I see them. I put them out there right. and go, there they are. Now I have to make a decision of what God's calling me to do or what's truthful apart right. from what my emotions are telling me. And what's always fascinating, to your point, Sam, even in your contending world of, say, going on a campus and sharing the gospel, what you find happens when you do the right thing is the emotions then come in a line with the, initi yep. the initiation movement to do the right thing. It's really fascinating. So you're not being ruled yep. by the emotions. You're being ruled by your convictions, and the emotions come in line. But if you reverse that, yep. if you reverse that, you, you're done. Chaos. Yep. And again, yeah, again, know, I, again, it could be either way, right? This is well, to yeah, our right. to our current events, we saw people enraged, and I'd say I'm glad you're frustrated with what's going on culturally, politically, right. but you can't just go nuts and be stupid, and foolish, and no. th think that you're going to storm some building and change something. It's like no, that's just dumb. Right. While I can yep. affirm, I, I'm glad. Yep, exactly. I'm glad that you're upset. I actually am glad you're upset. But don't. That's not the right thing. That's that would be a great example of what we're talking about right here. There's a place to contend. Yeah. And and right. and so going and, back, and, I I have my place. I have my world. It could be a trades world. I'm going to a job today that I do. That's where I God's called me to contend. 
Uh, yep. You know, he's called you to contend, to go open your mouth and engage people with the gospel and apologetics. One's not more valuable than the other, but we've each been given a realm to contend, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. You know, and that's why this whole emotional thing, this whole emotional talk is the, again, that's why the qualifications for an elder, again, this description of this godly man, he's sober-minded. Which, and then we said that's another way to say, Piper said, emotional backbone. This emotional resilience, like he's he's calm and collected. And when he's calm and collected, again, his emotions aren't driving him into fear and passivity, nor is his, are his emotions driving him into rage and anger in that way, uh, and violence. He's yeah. calm, he's collected, He's and then when he's calm and he's collected, he's dangerous because he's, 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 he's controlling himself. And it's an incredible thing. It's like... You know, and I think again back to a wrestling analogy. Um, I'm sure for many people, I'm they probably don't know about wrestling much, but you, you got the guy who has is the head case who sinks into his passivity and lets his emotions get to him that way, and then he actually doesn't isn't able to unleash the danger in him that's that's lit there. But on the other end, you you go out and you start wrestling, and you'll get guys that literally come out like. Like a bat out of hell, <laughs> yeah. like literally crazy, like all all over the place. And what you see is their technique is awful, and they're just expending all this energy. And their technique is horrible. And the guy that's right in the middle got his emotions under control, is calm and collected, can actually you know he 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 handles the barrage right away. But then he just picks him to pieces, destroys him. Yeah, because this guy is all over the place. And so there really is this this reality of, and then how do you, how do you get yourself in a place of where you are dangerous in the sense of you're sober minded, you're under control, and now you're dangerous. Yeah. Uh, putting yourself in those situations, it's yep. called experience. Yeah. Uh, and what I'm trying to say is, video games aren't going to do that for you. Yep. Right. Right. <laughs> Sitting in your home isn't going to do that for you. Right. And in evangelism, I remember the first time that I ever did initiative evangelism, I about died. Like, I was so nervous. I was so, like, yeah. you know, and I, I didn't even talk. It was just a guy, my disciple said, hey, we're going to go do some evangelism. And he's like, I'll do most, I'll do all the talking. You just come and be with me and, and watch. Yeah. And it still freaked me out. Yeah. <laughs> and well, now people probably look at me today and go, how do you do that? Well, it's because I've done it a thousand times. Yeah. See, and I Yet think. it's still nervous. And even that, Sam, isn't it amazing how God's so kind that he knows our frailty I actually think, like in, on those terms, because it's a realm we've operated in this world of evangelism. Why did Jesus send them two by two? Yep, that's part of the reason. Is there's times my 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 yep. my, call it my courage is faltering. I'm I'm kind of weak yep. and fearful today, and I need my my partner to go. Come on, let's yep. get at it, right? And vice versa. And yep, yep. And it's the same yep. thing. Let me let me take that to the bigger picture we've been talking about of a husband and a wife on a mission, right? Ooh, I mean, I have I so like many that. examples. I have so many examples, I think, right now in my mind. I even heard Paul Washer speak recently where his wife kind of said, wait a minute, this is your calling, kind of kicked him in the butt and said, get with the program, quit whining and complaining. Is this not what God's called you to do kind of thing? And, you you know, there's it's yeah, a quote out there. It's, it's, like, a one, it's a wonderful thing. And my wife's done that with me. You know, last night we were going to a thing, and she reminded me on the way of some, you know, weak, weaknesses I have. And she said, hey, I want to affirm you have a lot, blah, 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 but be careful, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yep, like I, I two by two. Mm. I, I, I need my wife around me to help me, you know, uh, carry this out. T tend the gardener. 
Tend the gardener, man. Tend the gardener. But I've been called to go be <laughs> courageous in my realm to bring order out of disorder, to go on mission. And again, I know this, this, you know, Aaron's and this one were more focused on, you know, masculinity. Um, but I think there's a lot of things to yeah. be said about the woman in this because I would just say it if I, you know, we can't go another hour right now, but like, I can't do this without my wife. Sounds crazy. And if she wasn't here, yeah. I, I would go on yep. and I would do it. But there is something about how God designed this thing, and that's what gives this woman such incredible, profound power and, and um, influence in the world. More sometimes than mm -hmm. I think women know. But it's not about women being autonomous and sexual and prowess and, and you know, putting up their dukes. It's about coming alongside yeah. and influencing yeah. with, with a word and with encouragement and with, I mean, look at the basketball court cheerleading, right? I mean, there's something about that that is really yeah. an awesome picture, right? Yep. There's something about cheering yeah. this yeah. on that, that, like, I need the cheerleader, man. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying, right? I mean, that makes sense, right? <laughs> You're laughing. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. But it's like that. I'm that, laughing because I'm also I'm envisioning I'm envisioning a bunch of men dressed up as cheerleaders cheering on more men. I'm like, that's a weird picture. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason why it's the, the why the you know the cute girl at the side cheering on the men. There's something like motivating about that for the guys. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it funny? You're not even supposed to say that or something. But it's like it's true. It's just true. Yeah. It's just true. Yeah, the cute girl in a in a cheerleading you know uniform cheering on the guys. It's like that's there's a reason why that is a thing. Yeah, or has been a thing. Who knows how long it's going to be a thing for anymore? But now it'll be these guys with these, you know. <laughs> oh, 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 no, thank you. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, do you got anything more to say about you know? Again, we kind of we kind of like uh, frame this this episode as kind of like a. Uh, an ongoing discussion of what we talked about with Aaron, yeah, um, which was so fun. Uh, no, this whole well, just, thing of I, being a man on a mission. I do think again, God's created these domain spheres in your lane. However, we talk about it, we've said it different ways. And when we we focus on what God's called us to do, man called to do something, woman called to do something. Uh, as Aaron said, we're I don't I, we have to be careful uh, that we don't. Even in our podcast, we're not trying to say this is exactly what it's supposed to look like because I don't know entirely. Uh, there's yeah. people around the world that are listening to us right now, right? And like in your culture, yep. in your context, it may look different than my context, but the biblical truths and principles are still the same. They really are. And yep. we've been called then to live that out. And in some times and culture, it may be easier because the world around us is a little more uh, conducive to what we want to live out. But we here in the West, in the United States right now, are definitely facing, and it's only increasing dramatically, something against this. And so to figure out how to carve this out is going to take a lot of work, and it's going to take us in our communities. It's going to take you and I, podcasts, ages, talking together in rooms. Like, what, what's this look like? How do we do this? But we can't cave. We, yep. can't, we can't cave to it. Yep. We can't cave to it. Yep. So. Absolutely. Well, that was great. Uh, that was a good discussion. Maybe we'll have another one about it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but 
for those of you who are listening, thanks again for listening. Hopefully you were able to listen to the uh, podcast where we interviewed Aaron Wren so that this wasn't just totally out of left field a little bit, but totally in line with everything we've been saying. And that's what's so awesome about this this whole universe that God created. Um, here he's revealed this special revelation, this truth in Scripture. And when you actually look at reality, it totally fits. Obviously, because God created everything. <laughs> and it's incredible. Uh, even down to our biology and our physiology and all of it. It's just like it's God designed and and it makes sense when we really just get rid of our, our sinful blinders uh, and we just look and go, okay, yep, yep, yep. Um, so thanks for listening. Again, uh, if you're, it would be so kind to leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever you listen to your the podcast on, I don't know, Spotify, Google, Google Podcasts, whatever it is. Leave a rating um, because it helps with discoverability, and obviously we want people to listen and to hear this. Uh, we don't just do this to be, you know, to not be heard by anybody. Um, that, so that would just be a wonderful gift that you could do for us if you if you do enjoy the content. Obviously, if you don't like it, then yeah, obviously I'm not telling you to lie. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, if you if you do like it, give us a give us a rating, uh, and that would be a wonderful thing. Uh, but again, thanks for listening, and have a good rest of your day. Bye.